Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Okay, so today's scripture reading, we are starting a new series called Breaking Ground. I'm excited about it. Um, And we're starting in a new book, um, Joshua. So this is Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. And the words should be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As I love, love this passage, I love this book. This book was highly instrumental in Missy and I and our family uh, following the calling of God to Toronto. And, and so this is, this is a big deal for our church. We've never been through the book of Joshua before. And, and so we're finally going through it six years later. And uh, yeah, it's just, I'm just super excited about it. I'm like, is jazzed up something, like, I'm jazzed up, like, from, from the worship set, like, from everything, from the collective, from everything the Lord's doing in our church, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, right, like, that is, that is, uh, the Lord is, we're going to talk about vision today and where the Lord is taking us, uh, but before we jump into there, um, oh, guys, like, so much is happening in our church, and, and the next the, the next entire part of this series uh, through almost, I guess, till December is going to be about what the Lord is doing in our church and what he's going to do in the future. And so we're going to start off big with vision, going to mission next week, which will take us down into more of the intricacies of it. So I'm going to paint the picture of vision today. Uh, I'm a... Uh, I love maps. I don't know what that's called. I'm a card... To cartophile, or I don't know. <laughs> like, that sounds bad, I know, but like, that, that would be the word for it, right? Uh, like, I love maps, I love the world. I, I, so, if you've been in our home, you've seen, if you walk in, you've seen in our, just in our dining room, there's, there's a huge, like, 1920s, 1919 rendition of Shipping Routes map on the, uh, in the dining room. If you walk into our living room, there's a huge map of Toronto, an orc map of Toronto. There's, uh, I mean, there's maps everywhere. We have, we have map coasters, guys, like, that we made, like, we crafted. Like, if, if, um, if you're sitting at dinner with us, the placemats have all of our travel photos on them. So they're all on your placemats as you're eating. Like, if you're going down into, into another room in the house, if you're in the girls' rooms, they each have world maps in their rooms. Uh, yeah, if you are, if you are uh, in another room in our house, there's like seven globes, seven or eight globes in the room. You'll see a globe right when you walk into the house. 
that has 2 Corinthians on it, which is the verse that God used to, to kind of push us into Toronto as well. Uh, you, it's 2 Corinthians 4.15. So, uh, yeah, you'll have the room of seven globes. Downstairs you'll have, uh, there's, there's all these other maps. There's one of the world by night, so it's just the lights. There's, there's a scratch map of all the places we've been to in the world. There's, there's a, um, and then all around, all around, the, all around the, uh, that room, too, there's maps of puzzles. So there's, there's puzzles that whenever Missy and I, and the, whenever we're here in Toronto for, for Christmas, and we have like two weeks where no one's in our home, <laughs> because normally people are in and out of our house all the time, so during Christmas, everyone's kind of away, so we have those two weeks, we'll, we'll do a map puzzle. And we're not really puzzle people. Uh, I don't know what a puzzle person is, uh, necessarily, but uh, we love to do puzzles of maps of the world. And you're like, oh, that's pretty easy, right? Everyone knows what the world looks like. Uh, but when you get to 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 pieces, uh, and you think most of the world is water, it's not that easy, right? It's a lot of, it's a lot of blue pieces, uh, a lot of blue. And so there's different types of, there's different types of maps there uh, that we have done puzzles of, like different renditions of maps. There's, there's all kinds of them. And, and when we're doing a puzzle, we have all the pieces. So let's say we have 2,000 pieces, and we, we set them all out. You, you open the box, you flip them open, you, you put them on the table, and you flip over all the pieces, right? So you can see what pieces you have to work with. Uh, but then we also set the box top, the cover, up there too, so that we can see what the map is supposed to look like, right? And that's our guide. We're using that the whole time to say, okay, maybe this piece goes here, maybe this piece goes here, to help us construct the puzzle into a map. Well, that's vision and mission. So vision is the box top. It's us saying, that's what it's supposed to look like. We're going there. That box top is where all this is going. Mission is putting one piece to this piece. Uh, you know, what do you do on a puzzle, right? You start with the corners, you do the, bound, the, the boundary, and then for us, we'll start with the continents. We'll, we'll each take a continent, we'll do the continents, and then we'll work on the vast ocean of, of blue and tiny islands, right? But, uh, but what, what that's doing is it's giving us handles to work with. When we have the continents in place, we're like, all right, I'm working on this portion of the puzzle right here that is going to make, uh, make uh, or bring to fruition that vision, okay? So when we're talking about vision and mission in the church, this week and next week, that's what we're talking about. We're saying the vision is that's where God wants us to go. We know he wants us over there. That's the, the box top over there. That's what we're supposed to look like as a church, when we talk about mission, we're saying, where do you belong in that vision? How do you fit in there? What, what is the handle you're supposed to hold on to to be a part of building uh, and, and seeing that vision come to fruition? Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we talk about vision and mission. You guys following me? Is that good? All right, so let's, let's go into Joshua here. And, and we'll see what's, what's going on. So, verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and then it stops. <laughs> so let's talk about that first thing. So he says, after the death of Moses. So after, when you read this, you should say, well, okay, after what? Why is the death of Moses significant? Moses is called the servant of the Lord. Why? What did Moses do to be called the servant of the Lord? of the Lord. The Lord says to Joshua, well, who's Joshua? He's a son of Nun. Well, who's that? <laughs> well, he's Moses' assistant. Why? Right? We, should, we should be wondering all those things as you're reading just that one verse. And all that is answered in the first five books here. And, and I'll just say something about the first five books for a second. Because a lot of us kind of, we tend to ignore the Old Testament. But if you don't understand the first five books of the Bible, you don't understand the Bible. If you don't understand the first five books, you don't really, you'll never understand the fullness of what's going on when Jesus comes. The first five books is the key to the rest of the scriptures. Deuteronomy in particular, uh, the last of the five, 
is the doorway to the rest of the scriptures. So if you don't understand Deuteronomy, then you're, you're going to struggle to understand anything else in the Bible. Now, you can understand things on the surface, but, it's, but you'll never understand the fullness of God's story. So I'm going to give you a really quick synopsis of, of the first five books here. Uh, should I start with creation? That's pretty far back. <laughs> in the beginning. In the beginning. Yeah, so God, he is, he's calling a people together in the first five books. Right? So when you see after the death of Moses, the reason that's significant is because God, uh, God creates a perfect world, sin enters the world, and then God says, someone's going to come to save the world. And after that, you have all these representatives of God pop up. You have Abraham, you have uh, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Judah, uh, and then you get to Moses in, in Exodus. And all these people, they fail, 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 fail. Uh, and you're like, if you're reading Genesis 3.15, which says the promised one is going to come, and he's, and he's going to rescue us, and you take that through the entire scriptures, you're like, oh, maybe Abraham's the guy when you're reading it, if you read it straight through. Oh, oh maybe, uh, maybe Isaac's the guy. He's a promised son. Okay, Genesis 12, 15, 17, Isaac's here. He's the promised one. Uh, there's even, in Genesis 22, this, this sacrifice of Isaac, right, which foreshadows the sacrifice of Christ, which Mount Moriah is actually where Christ was crucified. So it ties the entire scriptures together when, when Jesus comes. So you have here Isaac, and you're like, no, he's not the guy. Then you have Jacob, who's a deceiver from his birth. You're like, that's definitely not the guy, right? His name means that. Uh, and so yeah, he's definitely not the guy. And then you, you keep on going, and it just keeps on failing, failing. Then you get to Moses, who has this kind of miraculous, uh, miraculous surroundings to his birth and his, that he's even saved, right, when all the, the, the Hebrew babies are, are being killed. Moses is saved, and, and he grows up in the palace and all this stuff, and, and then he murders someone, and you're like, he's probably not the guy. And then but God still uses him, Right? And think about this, Moses, the servant of the Lord, this guy who has, like, the rest of the five, first five books are centered around Moses and the people of God. And he's a murderer. He killed somebody, and then he fled. He's a murderer and a coward. And God says, that's the guy I'm going to use. Ah, what does that say for your own story? You know? Like those of you who say, oh, I have nothing not for God. Like, I, like I'm, I'm nobody. That's exactly where you should be. You do have nothing. You are inadequate. You are nobody. And it's only in Christ that he's going to do something great through you. It's only in your weakness that he's going to do something great through you. It's in our weakness that his power is made known. Amen? Right? Like, and that's Moses' story takes a coward, a murderer, and someone who's like, I would never speak in front of other people <laughs> at all. He's like, I'm not a leader. This is Moses. When God does call him through the burning bush, he's like, not me. Maybe you're talking about my brother. <laughs> Maybe you got me confused. And then Aaron actually kind of takes over for a bit. And then Moses, Moses rises up. So Moses leads the people out of oppression, out of slavery, into, uh, into, towards the vision, right? The promised land. The vision is Genesis 12, 15, 17. It's what, they gave, what God gave to Abraham. It's land, it's seed, it's blessing, it's rescuing the entire world. That's the vision. Right? The mission is leave Egypt, go through the wilderness, and get to the promised land, and I will give it to you. That's, that's what they're called to do. And so they do that. So Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they're in the wilderness. And they're just there. And they're trying to get to the promised land. And they make mistakes. And, and there's a whole story there that, that we won't go into. But this is what that means after that. And Joshua is important because the first time they got to the promised land, they sent in spies into the land to check out the land, to, to just scope things out. The majority of the spies who came back said, we cannot do this. There is no way we can go in there. We are weak. We are inadequate. We are feeble. We are grasshoppers. They are giants. They are strong. They're going to overtake us. And we don't care if the Lord is with us or if he's not with us. That's not happening. That vision will never happen. 
But Joshua, along with Caleb, said, actually, it will happen. Because guess what, guys? It doesn't depend on us. It depends on him. But the people of Israel listened to the other spies. And so they ended up in the wilderness even more. And they stayed there until that generation who disbelieved, who disobeyed, who doubted, died out. Until the new generation rose up and said, yes, we can do this. Our God will make a way. Right? We are not afraid. They're saying those things. They knew he went before them. They knew he was behind them. Like that, that, that uh, song is all about this, this story. It's the pillar of fire that, that, that protects them at night, the, the pillar of cloud that leads them by day. I guess they had supernatural signs leading them, and they still disbelieved, right? And so they're, they're going. Uh, so now this new generation is up, and Joshua's going, and God says to Moses, you can't go in. He says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord says this to Joshua. So Moses has just died. In Deuteronomy 34, so if you, flip, if you have a Bible, you flip to the next page, it says in verse 7, in, in chapter 34, Moses was 120 years old, and we're like, oh, well, yeah, he's probably, he probably should have died. Well, no, that's, that's not, that's, uh, listen to the rest of the verses. He was 120 when he died, but his eye was undimmed, which is a Hebrew, uh, Hebrew construction meaning he, he wasn't weak. He wasn't weak-eyed. He still had his sight, yes, physically, literally, but he was still healthy is what that means. And if you didn't catch that, his vigor, his strength, was unabated. So we have a fully healthy Moses who could have lived who knows how many more years, and God says, no, it's time for you to step back, and it's time for Joshua to step forward. And all Moses was able to do was see the vision from afar. He just got a slight view of the land. And then he died. And Israel mourns him. And Joshua is now rising up. So he says in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. As if we didn't hear that in verse 1, just so you know. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now look at these action words. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan River you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. So God doesn't say, okay, Moses is dead, now sulk, now uh, go back. Moses is dead, you might as well go back. He doesn't say sulk, go back. He doesn't say give up, right? He says the opposite. He says, Moses is dead, now rise up. Moses is dead, now go over. Moses is dead, now receive. Receive the land. Go forward, Joshua. You guys see, like, this was never about Moses. It's never about, it's not about Joshua. This whole book is about the Lord and his faithfulness. In your life, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about his faithfulness. He will be faithful even if you are faithless, Paul says. So those of you who are stuck in your own, like, ah, oh, this is, what does God want me to do with my life? What does he want from me? It's not about you. It's about him. Focus on him, not on you, and you'll discover the answer to that. We'll talk about that in, in, in mission more next week. Uh, but we get so caught up in our own individual stories that we forget us as followers of Jesus are part of a larger, grander narrative that you will never, ever fully understand. We'll spend all eternity understanding it with the Lord. All right? Paul says we see in a glass darkly. We see in a mirror dimly. But then we shall see face to face. And we'll have eternity to understand Christ's face, uh, face to face, right? But here we see in a glass darkly. So, focus on him. It was never about Moses. It's not about Joshua now. It's about the Lord and his faithfulness. So arise, go over this Jordan, go into the land, receive. And verse 3 Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you just as I promised to Moses. Again, I promised this to Moses. God did. I gave this to you. God did. Verse 4, here's the vision. Here's, here's the vision for them. Here is uh, the, 
the uh, boundaries of the land. This is, think the puzzle, right? This is the puzzle boundaries he's giving them here. This is their vision for the people of Israel. Verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. All right. Before you put this up there, I'm going to give you our vision for Trinity Life. And this is, this is a new vision for our church that's going to take us, I don't know how long in the future, uh, but uh, this, is, this has been something, just as we're here in the sixth book in the Bible, we're in our sixth year as a church, and there are five books leading up to that. We have five years leading up to this vision, and I feel like we finally have our vision. Uh, and, and I feel like we've, we've been in the wilderness a bit, guys. We've been in the wilderness a bit um, in, in figuring out what this vision is. So this vision I'm about to give you, I've prayed about for two and a half years. Two and a half years I've spent praying on this vision, asking the Lord, is this what you want for us? Is this right? Um, I received the vision two and a half years ago, uh, and it just, it's just now the Lord's saying it's time to reveal it to us. Um, so here it is, and then we're going to talk about it late, uh, throughout. It's discovering identity and destiny in Christ through 5,600 people, influencing our city through 560 organizations, and influencing our world through planting 56 churches. Okay? Read that to yourselves real quick. Let it absorb. We're going to talk through the entirety of it as we go through the rest of Joshua. Discovering identity in Christ through 5,600 people. So it has our mission embedded into the vision. Influencing our city through 560 organizations and influencing our world through planting 56 churches. All right, let's go to verse 5. Like I said, we'll talk through it. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Guys, this isn't a physical battle. It's a spiritual one. This vision isn't a physical one. It's a spiritual one. And here, God says, that's the vision for Joshua, you, and the people of Israel. That's the vision for you to go in. These are the boundaries of the land. This is what you are to, to inherit, he will say. And he says, no one will stand against you. No flesh will stand against you. Nothing physical will be against you or can be against you because it's not a physical battle. We don't battle against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. We battle against the principalities and the powers of this present darkness. Right? That's Ephesians chapter 6. So therefore, put on the full armor of God. Right? The, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, our, our feet fitted with the gospel of peace, and the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. Right? The full armor of God. He's saying, no man will stand against you. No flesh will stand against you. This is a spiritual battle. And I'll be with you. So, verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Remember, that's Genesis, all throughout it. These words, be strong and courageous, uh, courageous can actually be translated as be bold. Be strong and be bold. And he repeats it three times in this one passage. Next he says, be, be strong and be very bold. And then in, the, in verse 9 he says, be strong and be bold again. And boldness, as you know, or as some of you know, as maybe a handful of you know, <laughs> it's one of our core values as a church. Guys, we've only operated on boldness. Right? Like the church started on boldness. You have 
a family that, that moves to a city where they, we knew nobody here. We knew zero people in Toronto, right? Move here to, to start something that we knew God called us to do, and Josh was a big part of that. And I won't go into that story. But then those who came alongside uh, said, yeah, we believe in that vision. We, we believe we can make this happen. Again, we had nothing, guys. We had nothing. We have fishes and loaves. And we're like, God, you do something with this because we can't do, do anything. There's, there's no way. And, and so boldness, this spirit-led boldness, right? Boldness isn't just this foolish, uh, whimsical, uh, we're going to do this because it's, you know, we're going to be courageous. It's being spirit-led. It's stepping into faith where we don't even see a step. Right? And we're just stepping, hoping that our foot is going to land where, the, where, where there is actually a rock. And that rock is Jesus, right? And we're praying, Lord, we don't want to go, this is Exodus 33, we don't want to go where you haven't gone. We're only going to go where you go. Right? This, is, this, is all, this is all boldness here. So he's saying, be strong and be bold, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land. If this is so this is our vision, right? We have this vision, discovering identity and destiny in Christ through 5,600 people, influencing our world through, or our city through 50, 560 organizations, and influencing our world through planting 56 churches, right? This is, this is our vision. And since this is our vision, ask the Lord what he wants you to inherit as a part of that. We're going into this land. We're going in this promised land. That's, that's the vision, right? Those are the boundaries. What does God want you to inherit as you commit to this vision? What is God calling you to, to commit to, to say, yeah, I see myself in that part of the vision. I see myself in Africa, right? The continent in the map. I see myself as a corner piece of, of this map. I see myself maybe as a covenant member who, who, who makes up the boundaries of the map. I see myself engaging uh, with Jeff and, and St. Jamestown United, working with youth in St. Jamestown to share the love and the light of Christ and the gospel. I see myself uh, being uh, a worship leader here. I see myself uh, making disciples among our kids in the church here, and, and that's there in Australia. You know, I see myself over here on this part of the map uh, being on the connections team and, and not just greeting people at the door, but connecting them to the body of Christ so that they live in transparent, genuine community and they can say, this is my family. I see myself uh, operating in this sphere of influence so that I can lead Alpha and invite people into Alpha and, and what we do there. I see myself in a body life group, in a small group, and, and, and uh, being part of this one another lifestyle and sharing life and community with fellow believers. I see myself leading one of those. I see myself, guys, there's so many handles you can grab onto in that vision, right? And everything in our church is, is a thread that goes through the mission that connects to the vision. If it doesn't connect to the mission, to the vision, we're not doing it. Right? We're just not called to it, right? So, so we're going to take it off the plate if we're doing it now, or we're just going to say, no, uh, that's not fitting in with the mission and the vision here. And, and we're really open-handed as a church, guys. Like, there's, there's tons of stuff that we can probably say we shouldn't be doing that anymore, we shouldn't be doing that. And so we're, we're like, yes, if it doesn't fit with this, we're going we're gonna to get rid of it. And, and so ask the Lord, what am I to inherit as part of this? Right? He says the people are going to go in, they're going to inherit this land. So what should you commit to? That's a, that's, a, that's a big deal, right? Especially in a city like this where, where um, people come in and out of church where we just have uh, some, some of us just come in and we're just like here to be part of a worship service. If you know anything about Trinity Life Church, uh, and hopefully it's clear in this vision, you know that this is a very small piece of who we are. Now, it's a significant piece, but if this is all you know about Trinity Life here, and you've missed Trinity Life. You've missed our mission. You've missed our vision. You've missed what, what we're doing. Uh, the new common, what, what Jeff was talking about, is, is probably is more so who we are than, than this gathering here. And, and so we'll talk about that in a few minutes. So, verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Be very bold. Being careful to do according to all the law 
that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. That, that word, good success, can actually be translated as act wisely. So he says here, because you're like, well, what is success? Well, what, is that, what does that mean? And he's saying that you may act wisely wherever you go. And this is the reason why they could do that, why Joshua in particular can do that. Verse 8, this book of the law, so the first five books, right? This book of the law, the law represents the first five books, the Torah, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, it shouldn't leave what you use to speak with. I, that doesn't mean it shouldn't, like, he shouldn't speak it. It just means it should always be in your mouth, right? Think about Jesus saying, I don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, all right? Think of Jesus saying, uh, I just do what the Father tells me to do, Okay? And so he says, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. When the Bible says meditate, uh, in, our, in our culture, especially influenced by Eastern mysticism and the Eastern religions, uh, meditation is emptying your mind. Uh, meditation in the scriptures is filling your mind. Is, and so this word actually means uh, uttering. It, it could actually be translated as growling, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Yeah, like, yeah, like, get excited, like, growl about this, like, um, it, it can actually mean growling. So, so if you've ever, if you've ever been to, to Israel, actually, uh, if you, you've, and you can, you can see Orthodox, or you've been around Orthodox Jews, you'll, you'll hear them kind of muttering, right? When they're praying, they're, they're just, they're just muttering. It's almost like low moan, growl type utterance. And this is, this is why, because meditation means to do that. It means you have a scripture, uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, and you just say that over and over and over again, over and over and over again, over and over and over again. And, and that is what you're filling your mind with, okay? So that's when he says, you, will, you shall meditate on the law day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success, you'll act wisely. This is, uh, this is part of a seam. So in, in, our, in the Greek ordering of our Bible, uh, which is kind of random, actually, it's not, it's not even chronological. Like, the first few books are chronological, but after that, it just goes all over the place. You have random groupings of writings and psalms. Like, Second uh, Chronicles is actually the last book uh, in, in the Hebrew canon. And... The last, like, the last book, yeah, I won't go into all that. But in the Hebrew canon, canon meaning the ordering of the Hebrew Bible, of the Old Testament, it's ordered in a different way. It's ordered in a way that puts Joshua and Psalms as seams of three parts. Okay, so there's three parts. There's the law, there's the writings, and the prophets. Okay, and, and the two seams are Joshua and the Psalms, and they, share, they each share the same verse, which makes them the scenes, and this is the verse. Joshua 1.8, and let's put up Psalm 1. So this is Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he does what? He meditates day and night. And this is the result. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. That should make you think of something else in the scriptures, the tree of life, that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in all that he does, he does what? He prospers. He has good success. He acts wisely. And that should make you think not of Joshua, because you'll see if you read through the book of Joshua, he doesn't do it perfectly. He actually messes up in chapter 6 or 7, <laughs> really, really soon in the book. That should make you think of Jesus. Jesus is the only one who does this perfectly. He meditates on the law of day and night. He hears the Father's voice, and he only does what the Father says, and, and he... And he 
uh, utters this law over and over again, and he prospers. He acts wisely in every single decision. This is Jesus. So you have here this really important verse because Joshua is saying, this is, this is a... or God is saying, this is what you have to do if you're going to act wise, if you're going to be prosperous, if you're going to experience good success. Okay? So let's go into the vision. Uh, let's, yeah, let's put that back up there. Let's talk about 5,600 people. Then we'll talk about 5,600 partners. Then we'll talk about 56, or, 50, or sorry, 560 partners. Then 56 plants. Okay? That's to make it easy for you guys to remember. 5,600 people. 560 partners. See, it's, it's alliterative. You guys get that? And then 56 plants, okay, church plants. All right, so 5,600 people, that's, that's left somewhat ambiguous. We're open-handed with what that looks like, guys. Uh, if you've been around Trinity Life for any length of time, you know we're not here for our own kingdom. We're not here to build our own brand, right? We plant churches in our city that aren't called Trinity Life churches, Okay. Uh, we've done that twice already. We'll get to that in a second. So this isn't about Trinity Life brand. This isn't about building Trinity Life as big as it can go. So that 5,600, we're not talking about a worship service of 5,600 people. I don't think, right? Because that's we've never been worship service centric, right? I don't exactly know how to quantify that number yet. It could be the aggregate number of the churches we plant. Uh, I don't know. So we have 100 people there, 50 there, 200 there. Uh, who knows? Uh, so don't get caught up in, the, in that particular number, okay? For, um, like, don't think, oh, we're going to, like, uh, have a church of 5,600 people. Yeah, well, we might, but we might not. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and I was asking the Lord forever on, on what that was, and I don't know. Uh, so if you have some insight, let me know. Uh, but, uh, that, but I do know that number is significant. It's highly significant because it was the first number I got when I started praying, okay? Um, and I wasn't even looking for a number. Okay? And now I know this sounds mystical and weird and esoteric, and I don't know what you guys are thinking right now because you're all just staring at me. Uh, <laughs> but um, and you, if you know me, you know that numbers aren't, like, I'm not, I'm not big into numbers. I don't, I don't like them to box us in. I don't like us to, like, you know I've always shied away from those. Uh, we don't even count how many people we have in worship services, guys. So when I talk, when I meet other pastors and church planters and stuff, they say, well, how many run? I'm like, I have no idea. Um, all we care about is the Spirit showed up. And we know he does when at least two or three are gathered. <laughs> right? So I was like, it could be me and my wife and my two daughters, and we'd still have church. <laughs> we'd still worship Jesus. So you know that that isn't our heart as a leadership team, but there's something significant there that the Lord is calling us to, and it's supposed to, to uh, inspire us to influence our city and our world, okay? And it gives us a handle. It gives us a handle because guess what, guys? Also, things that are healthy grow. Things that are healthy grow and they multiply and they reproduce, which we'll get to in a second. But so we want to grow as a church, especially in a city that's transient like this. If we don't grow, we're just going to die. Okay, because people come and they go. People come and they go. So, 5,600 people. Oh, here's something really awesome. So, I shared this with our covenant members last Sunday. I shared the vision to, to just talk to them about it and, and us pray about it and all those things. Uh, and Dave, being Dave, <laughs> if you know Dave, you know what I mean by being Dave. He was like, hey, so we talked about this. He's like, hey, do you know this? He's like, so they measure light in Kelvins. And I was like, Okay, I'm still, still learning Celsius. <laughs> Don't introduce a new one. So they still measure light in, in, or they measure light in Kelvins, and 5,600 is sunlight, is direct sunlight, 5,600 Kelvins. And I had no idea. If you go lower on the scale, you have more yellow-red light. If you go higher on the scale, you have more green-blue light. But in video, at 5,600 Kelvins, because Dave's a video guy, film guy, in film and video, 5,600K is sunlight. Isn't that amazing? I was like, Dave, you should preach this Sunday. <laughs> Just say that. That's so awesome. All right, so influencing a city through 560 organizations. 
Again, I'll go into this way more next week when we talk about mission, but the new common is the way we do this. As of now, we've partnered with 29 organizations in our city. Uh, and, and guys, um, 29 doesn't sound like a whole lot when the number's 560, but uh, I don't know many churches that partner with any organizations in our city. Most of these 29, the vast majority, are non-Christian organizations that want to partner with us as a church. Why is that? Because they see us engaging the city. Guess what, guys? We don't hide who we are. They know we love Jesus. We don't hide the light so that we, we bring them in and lift up the basket and say, surprise! Uh, they know we're, we're followers of Jesus. They know we, we lead with the love of Christ. We lead with the light of Christ. They, they know that about us, and we are shaping, transforming the understanding of who the church is in St. Jamestown and in our city. Guys, one of those organizations that's partnered with us is the city of Toronto. They've given Trinity Life Church money to do things. The, the city doesn't do stuff like that, guys. They hate the church. They think we're a parasite on, on society because we don't pay taxes and all that. And we kind of are. Like, if you look, I mean, not us, but a lot of churches are. Uh, I think the church in general for us the past 100, 100, 150 years, we've been that in society. But we know our DNA says no. We're called to partnering and, call, and, and, to, and to be light and salt in our city. And so we do this through the new common space by partnering with organizations so that we can share the love of Christ and infuse the gospel in what they're doing. And it's an ABCD mentality. It's asset-based community development. It's saying, gosh, you guys are doing something amazing. How can we empower you in that? So we'll go into more of that next week in our mission. But 560 organizations is a huge deal because in six years, we've only done 29. So that means we've got to pick up the pace, right? We've got, we got to get working in our city. All right, 56 churches planted. We, we want to reproduce. We want to reproduce our DNA. Now, all the churches we planted other than this one, they're not Trinity Life churches. We're not planting multi-sites. We're not planting churches that are called Trinity Life University of Toronto, Trinity Life Milton. Trinity Life. We're, we're, we're just saying we want to give you our DNA. That's Kingdom Disciples Society Church. We'll go on that next week. Uh, Kingdom Disciples Engaging Society. Out of that arises the church. And we want to help you guys do that. That is not a church framework, that's a kingdom framework. I'll talk about that next week. You guys gotta come back next week. <laughs> I don't know if you understand that, but yes, uh, if you want the fullness of this. So uh, that is, that's different from how churches are normally planted. Normally churches are planted through worship services. We didn't start that way. We started through engagement. When we moved here, we didn't say, how, how soon can we get our worship service going? We said, how soon can we start working with our city? Not just cheering our city and being a church for our city on the sidelines, but how soon can we work with our city? And so we started networking and, and, and doing all that, and out of that arose the church. And, and churches that we plant together, so we've done one on UT's campus, we've helped one in Milton, we've, we've uh, just launched one in London, UK, uh, and then we have this one right here. So we're at four in the last six years. <laughs> we're just at, we're at four. So at this rate, it's going to take us over 100 years to plant 56 churches. We got to get moving, right? Because when you see that number, you're like, ah, oh, we can do that. No, we, we got to get moving. Uh, now, probably next year, we'll have doubled that output by next year. Um, so this is what you guys don't see. Uh, I, I train church planters once a year. Um, I take them through our DNA. They just hear about us. We don't advertise it. They just hear about us. They want to learn the DNA. Um, so, and then I mentor and I coach church planters. So that's a lot of that you guys don't see happens in the background. Um, but we probably need to do a better job at having some care for our church plants. So we're, we're going to try to ramp that up soon as well. So that's, that's the vision. 5,600 people, 560 partners, 56 plants. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's finish out with verse 9 here. Verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? This is here, trust, obey, guys. It's the Lord says this, we trust him, 
we obey him. Here, obey. We're going to do what the Lord says. He's like, haven't I commanded you this? Be strong and be bold. Be courageous. Do not be frightened. This, this word in the Hebrew is literally, do not tremble. Think about a candle and a flame, and when the wind comes, it flickers, you know? That's, that's the imagery it, it presents here. Don't, don't be that. Don't be a candle in the wind, right? Don't, 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 don't be afraid of, of flickering. Don't be afraid of trembling. He says, don't, don't do that. You are the light of the world, right? Jesus is the light of the world. That's us. We are his bride. And then he says, do not be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. This Hebrew word for dismayed is, is literally, could be literally translated as, do not be shattered. Do not be cracked. Guys, this is the time for unity, not disunity. This is time for us to come together. He says, don't be shattered. Think about the puzzle. Like we've, we're putting, these past five years have been us flipping over pieces and putting pieces together, right? And we're like, oh man, we're starting to see things come to fruition these past five years, these past six years, right? Let's put these things together. Wow, God's, yeah, we kind of see the, the vision now. Don't shatter that. Because you can do that. And you would not be in the favor of God. Don't be dismayed. Don't fear. Don't be frightened. Guys, we don't know how. I don't even know why that exists. I just know the what. I know the box. I know we're supposed to go in that direction. And dismay may not be like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid. This may be like, I don't know if that's the vision for our church. And you may be thinking that right now. That's the same as dismay. And if you say, I don't know if that's the vision for this church, you may, you're, you may not be a puzzle piece that fits in this picture. You may just belong to a different puzzle. And that's okay. We'll bless you, we'll release you, and you can go. But don't shadow what God's doing here. So if that's your thought right now, like, I don't know if that's our vision. Well, that's not for you to answer. And that's for you to say, maybe I don't fit in this puzzle. Maybe I need to go somewhere else. Because like I said, this vision has been prayed over for two and a half years. Not just by me, but our leadership team has known this, pieces of it for two and a half years. And it's come together. And uh, the Lord has... The Lord has given me to this body of believers in my gifting to vision apostolically for our church. If, if he's given you that, if he's given you that same thing, you have not told me that up until this point. Because I would have said, help me do this. <laughs> I would have said, pray with me for these two and a half years. But you haven't arisen yet. So don't arise now when you think you know better. Because odds are you don't. And so don't shatter, don't be dismayed, don't be frightened. Just say, God, what am I to inherit in this land? What am I to inherit as, as, a, as a part of this? Proverbs says this. Proverbs says, where there is no prophetic vision, think godly divine guidance. The people cast off restraint, which means they go wild, they run wild. There's no direction. They're all over the place is what that means. There's no vision. There's no box to say you fit here. Go. And guess what, guys, real quick? Israel, this vision, until this day, they've never seen that vision come to fruition. They've never possessed the entirety of that vision. Why? Because of this last part. Blessed is he who keeps the law. Because you'll see Joshua say, if we don't do this, we're going to be thrown out of the land. And so for us as followers of Jesus, as us as a church who collectively wants to hear the voice of the Lord and follow it, and to say like Jesus said, Father, I only do what you tell me to do, and I want to do that alone. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what, how people want to distract. Because, um, yeah, he says, I just want to do what you tell me to do, and, and that's it. For, for those of us who want to do that, then this is what, where God's leading us. This is where God is calling us to go. And we want to be people 
who are blessed by the Lord because we're stepping forward in obedience to his direction, to his law, to his guidance. And we want that vision to, to now say, okay, this is our box. This is where he wants our church to go, and we're going to go there. And guys, I asked the Lord, am I the one to take, to take our church there? Do you want me to be Moses or do you want me to be Joshua? I asked him. I said, okay, this is the vision. Do you want me to take our church there? I'm okay if not, but you tell me. I haven't died yet. <laughs> so, still here. And he said, yeah, you're going to take this body of believers to the fruition of that vision. And so, we want you guys with us in this. We want to do this together. We can't do this individually. We have to do it collectively. So we need unity in this time. We need to follow Jesus together in this time to live out the vision and mission. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your vision. Um, you're a personal God. You're intimate. You care for us. And at the same time, you're transcendent. And it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about Missy. It's not about Adam. It's not about Jamie. It's not about Cecile. It's not about Isaiah. It's not about anybody else I can name in this church. It's about you. And we submit ourselves to you. And so we ask that you would take us into this next season excited, expectant, knowing that you are faithful. And so use this to show your glory. We ask in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon. Thank you.